السلام علیکم لسنرز دس از ریڈیو پاکستان نیوز اینڈ کرنٹ افیئرس چینل آف اسلام آباد یو آر لسننگ ٹو یور فیورٹ شو دا پرسپیکٹو آئی ایم یور ہوسٹ امجد عبداللہ فار ٹو ڈیز پرسپیکٹو آئی ہیو ود می ان دا اسٹوڈیو مسٹر سید محمد علی صاحب السلام علیکم سر اینڈ ویلکم ٹو دا شو تھینک یو سو مچ جنرل صاحب آلویز اے پریشر ٹو جوائن یو تھینک یو ویری مچ in perspective we discuss the topics of domestic regional and international importance and today we have selected very significant developments of the day the first topic for today's discussion in perspective would be israel pounds gaza with air raids and shelling death toll in gaza rises to 119 as palestinian families seek shelter in schools to flee israel's most violent attacks Pakistan reaffirms its steadfast support for the rights of Palestinian people and their legitimate struggle. The second topic for today's discussion would be Afghan peace process and Pakistan's position for the peaceful resolution of Afghanistan crisis. Listeners, the first topic is very critical. We are talking about this topic in past couple of days because it, it is a new development in a way and the Uh, people in Palestine are suffering in the hands of Israeli forces, Israeli brutalities. We will be talking about the latest developments today, but as of now, it's time for a short break. After the break, we will continue our discussion. Keep listening to Radio Pakistan. دونوں بیٹیوں کی شادی سر پر ہے اور پیسے کوئی نہیں جیب میں سوچا تھا تھوڑی زمین بیچ کر بچیوں کو ان کے گھروں کا کر دوں گا اور باقی زمین بچوں کے نام کرا دوں گا پر یار پٹوار خانے کے چکر کاٹ کاٹ کے میری تو اڈیاں گز گئی ہیں پر زمین کا انتقال کرانا میرے جیسے ان پڑھ دیاتی بندے کے لیے ایک عذاب بن گیا یار سمجھ نہیں آتی یار میں کروں تو کیا کروں اوئے شیدے میں نا کل ریڈیو پاکستان سن رہا تھا اوئے وہ بتا رہے تھے کہ حکومت نے ہر علاقے کے مقررہ سرکاری دفتروں میں پاکستان سٹیزن پورٹل کے ڈیش بورڈ بنا دیے ہیں اور تو نے جا کے بس اپنا مسئلہ بتا اپنا شناختی کارڈ نمبر درج کرا اور تیرا مسئلہ چٹکیوں میں حل ہو جائے گا اور بلکہ تو ایسا کری تو جب جائے نا اور مجھے ساتھ لے جائیں اور میں خود اپنے پائی کے ساتھ جاؤں گا یار اور مولا خوش رکھے تجھے یار اور کیا بات بتا دی تو نے اصغر بس یار بس دعا کر اللہ عزت رکھ لے اپنی بیٹیوں کی شادی عزت سے ہو جائے یار ضرور ہوگی شیتے فکر نہ کر وہ وزیر اعظم نے یہ سہولت دے کے ہم غریبوں کے لیے بڑی آسانی پیدا کر دی ہے پاکستان سٹیزن پورٹل عوام کی آواز
انتخابی عمل میں شفافیت حکومت کی اولین ترجیح شفاف انتخابات پائیدار جمہوریت کے تسلسل کی زمانت حکومت انتخابات میں الیکٹرانک ووٹنگ اور بائیو میٹرک کا نظام متعارف کروانے کے لیے پرعزم ملک کی تاریخ میں پہلی بار بیرون ملک پاکستانیوں کے لیے ای ووٹنگ کے ذریعے اپنا حق کے رائے دہی استعمال کرنے کا موقع انتخابات میں شفافیت پاکستان تحریک انصاف کی حکومت کا وزن Welcome back, listeners. You are listening to your favorite show, The Perspective, and it is the second day of Eid. And on this, uh, this day of Eid, we as a people of Pakistan should remember the sufferings of the people of Palestine and Kashmir. For, for that matter, we have selected our first topic for today's discussion. It's about Palestinian crisis. Israeli forces pound uh, Gaza with air raids shelling. Death toll in Gaza rises to 119 as Palestinian families seek shelter in schools. to flee Israeli most violent attacks. Shasab, it, it, it is a new uh, tragic incident. In fact, Palestinians are suffering uh, in the hands of Israeli forces for more than again 70 years now. They are uh, struggling, they are fighting for their rights, their basic right, which is recognized by international law. But uh, there is a criminal silence on the part of the major powers and uh, the regional actors are also not fulfilling somehow their responsibilities. What is the latest scenario, how things are unfolding in, in Palestine? And then we will talk about uh, the other aspects and different dimensions of the, uh, of the crisis. Uh, Amjad Sab, thank you so much. Um, uh, the situation in um, Palestine, Gaza Strip, Uh, is becoming more and more critical and grave with each passing hour. And uh, that is why uh, we have again uh, chosen this as the main topic of our program. Uh, because uh, Pakistan is also very deeply concerned about it. And as you know, Pakistan's leadership, uh, both the President of Pakistan as well as the Prime Minister of Pakistan, as well as our uh, Foreign Minister, have uh, expressed uh, deep concern at the situation there, offered sympathy with the Palestinian people, uh, condemned the Israeli aggression and use of force, and also uh, reiterated our long-standing commitment and support uh, for the rights of the Palestinian people. That's the Pakistan's uh, uh, stance and very unequivocal uh, support towards this issue. And uh, we have also leveraged our uh, uh, influence in different bilateral and multilateral diplomatic uh, efforts uh, through OIC and also calling uh, the Muslim leaders uh, in Saudi Arabia, in Turkey. And the uh, Prime Minister has also spoken to the President of uh, Palestine as well. Uh, now let's try to understand uh, the situation. Uh, we can look at the situation in four dimensions. Uh, there is a political aspect to it, there is a military aspect to it, there is a moral and humanitarian aspect to it, and then there is an international institutional or legal aspect to it. So if we uh, briefly review the situation from the political aspect, what is um, uh, very conspicuous is the absence uh, of major powers timely and effective role in preventing uh, violence, escalation control, and uh, 
managing the crisis in order to preserve and maintain peace and security in the region. This is very unfortunate um, for a number of reasons. Secondly, when you look at them, and in the absence of the international community and particularly major powers' uh, role, uh, the use of force uh, is escalating uh, from the Israeli side uh, in different dimensions. Not only uh, yes, till yesterday they were using mainly um, air strikes from their F-15 and F-16 fighter bombers uh, and, and bombing different government buildings of uh, Hamas and other uh, police organizations as well. Since last night what they have done, they have also introduced the use of artillery barrages and uh, today they have also deployed their armored formations and Merkava tanks near the border uh, and threatening uh, a possibility of invading the Gaza Strip uh, in case the Israeli leadership uh, so desires. And, and you must have seen the statement, a very irresponsible statement from the Israeli leadership as well that uh, they do not see many, uh, very keen on uh, ending the violence and they think that uh, this will probably go on for some time. The third is the humanitarian aspect which is very important and tragic because uh, the targeting of uh, the selection of target by the Israelis is uh, not some military uh, organization. They are targeting the buildings, the hospitals, the schools, the cars, and most of the casualties, as you can see, which have risen, unfortunately, to 119, are civilians. Of them are, Absolutely, are, 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 children. Uh, are children. So, so they are not. Uh, they are just trying to. Um, they are. They have a, They are using a non-discriminatory uh, use of force. Uh, which is unlawful. And that brings me to the last point that uh, the International Criminal Court needs to consider this. Uh, international, the UN Human Rights Council needs to consider this, that the indiscriminate use of force against the civilian uh, uh, represents a, a, a grave violation of international law, Geneva Convention, Vienna Convention, and also um, uh, it also represents a weakness on the part of international institutions uh, to enforce or uh, ensure that Israel uh, not only exercises restraint but uh, uh, also pro proportionality uh, in terms of the use of force. You are right and you mentioned about uh, International Criminal Court. The other day we witnessed a statement uh, from International Prosecutor of International Criminal Court who was of the opinion that International Criminal Court has some serious concerns or actions of the Israeli forces. So the question is that what practical initiative or step uh, international criminal court as a body can take is against Israel? What is the legal mechanism uh, for, the, for the action or, uh, or, or implementations of the decisions or the statement by, by the court? I think uh, I'm not a legal expert but uh, my understanding is that uh, if there are tangible evidences and uh, uh, if uh, the jurisdiction of ICC is recognized uh, by the relevant state then this issue can be raised. But uh, obviously for details we need to consult uh, a legal expert on that. Um, as long as the jurisdiction, can that 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 the jurisdiction is if jurisdiction is established and it is recognized by the relevant state. But the question of uh, violation of international law is settled. Israelis are violating the basic principles of international Absolutely, law. because if that, that is why the UN Security Council uh, meeting is very important. 
because if that happens, then this issue can be raised there and well, a Chapter uh, 7 Shashab, resolution can be moved. Shashab, we have with us a very important person to discuss the latest developments in Palestine. The listeners, we are delighted to have on telephone line with us former Ambassador Saab, Mushtaq Ahmed, the Mayor Saab. Assalamu alaikum, sir, and welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm here. Uh, uh, sir, sir, we, we wish you very happy Eid and we wish you very best uh, for your health, sir. Uh, sir, Thank we are you. talking about uh, Israel crisis and we have seen that crisis is escalating. And but, but there is no response as such on the part of uh, major international actors. So, what is the latest situation in Palestine and how uh, we can uh, we can develop some regional and some extra regional response for the settlement of this crisis, sir? I think it will take uh, a little bit time uh, for the conflict to settle down. And this time the atrocities are uh, massive and the killing is, uh, in fact, uh, much beyond uh, uh, our expectation. These sort of incidents have taken place in the past also, but uh, normally they are at a, 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 a mini school uh, level and uh, some people come and interfere. But this time the uh, American, I think uh, they are not interested. They want, uh, they have adopted a new strategy that let the Palestinians and the Israelis settle their dispute themselves. Because they have come to realize that despite efforts uh, of last, uh, I think, almost uh, uh, 20 years, they have not uh, succeeded in Im implementing the Camp uh, 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 David Accord, and they have not come to some sort of uh, 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 understanding for a modus vivendi. They have been fighting, and there have been two reasons. One, of course, Israel, because Israel is uh, very aggressive, and Israel has made uh, their life miserable economically, politically, and they have not permitted them to emerge as a second uh, uh, state. They want them to keep it as a colony. And the second problem is that uh, the Palestinians themselves are uh, absolutely divided. Now, despite uh, massive effort by the uh, rest of the world, particularly the Islamic world, the uh, uh, Palestinians, particularly Gaza and West Bank, they have not got together uh, 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 act in a unified way. They fight, and they fight again, and they try to undercut each other. And there are, of course, very good, very good reasons, because Western
No, it, uh, normally the United Nations intervenes. They come and uh, whenever there is a conflict, small conflict or big conflict, particularly we have seen in Africa, Ethiopia uh, and Mishad uh, and uh, Central Africa and uh, other places, whenever there is a territorial problem or when there is a regional problem or ethnic problem, the United Nations Security Council passes a resolution and they send it some sort of uh, 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 commission to go and inquire. I, when I was ambassador in Kuwait, there was a number of uh, delegation coming from UN to solve this uh, Iraq problem. But in case of uh, uh, Palestine, we don't see any movement because I think the Americans uh, in their uh, hearts of heart have decided to uh, side with Israel and teach uh, the Palestinian a lesson in a way that uh, they become subjugated. Now, uh, what is the solution? There are several solutions. One is that the Islamic world gets together and uh, because this is a Qibla Awwaz, this is our worship place, we uh, respect it tremendously. But the Islamic world will not get together to fight each other because of their internal. There are 17 countries which surround uh, uh, Israel, but they are not together. As a consequence, you have serious problem. Now, what we can do is what our Prime Minister is trying to do, uh, seek some sort of coordination of industrial developed uh, uh, strategic countries like Turkey and Malaysia and Indonesia, Pakistan, Iran, Saudi Arabia, of course, is needed always because they play a pivotal role. Now, whether the Prime Minister succeeds or not, I cannot predict. My own impression is that effort is being made, and I hope and I pray to God Almighty that he will succeed. Now, if they succeed and put a political pressure, because these countries have a lot of economic dependence on Israel also. You know that these countries surrounding Israel, they uh, import, export, they have normal trade like Jordan and uh, um, um, Lebanon and uh, Egypt. Now, if Egypt stops uh, relationship with uh, Israel, I think Israel will be damaged massively. If uh, Jordan stops uh, 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 supply of water or supply of vegetables or supply of raw materials, the Israel is stopped. If um, uh, Lebanon pushes the uh, 10 million refugees back to uh, Israel, uh, uh, then Israel will collapse. Now, these things can happen, but um, uh, they are not doing it, and uh, it will take a lot of persuasion to do it. So I think, uh, and I pray to God Almighty, and this is the wish of the civil society of uh, Pakistan that uh, Prime Minister Imran Khan succeeds. He has a vision of uh, having a, a peaceful solution of the problem because uh, he is a, real, a realist person. He knows that we are very far away. We cannot go and fight because uh, we have been uh, hearing here and there people shouting in the TV that we should all go and uh, 
March, now we can't march, we can hardly march within our own country. How can we march to Israel and, uh, you know, put our uh, forces here? So the Prime Minister is right. I think uh, he will make attempt to have these four or five uh, major uh, Islamic countries get together and have a consolidated brief. And the brief would, would, would be to advise both these sides to come to some sort of terms for peace and have a way out for the people of Sahara and people give some sort of advice to the Israelis not to use their technology. Technology has a limit. If they use too much of technology, then I think there will be massive revolution in the Islamic world and the number we have is a very, very high, and we can uh, retard and we can respond. Uh, sir, as you have made a very elaborative statement, we always uh, learn from you. But one question, uh, taking liberty from, the, uh, from this discussion, sir, that there is a possible truce and discussion between Iran and Saudi Arabia. They, they are talking to each other, and they possibly they will reach to so many a po positive conclusion. But if uh, there is a positive development in their bilateral engagement, uh, would there be any impact on uh, Palestinian issue uh, after their uh, settlement of internal issues? I, I think it is a very good thing that Iran and Saudi Arabia uh, get together and they talk. They will not talk necessarily about Baitul Muqaddas because the Iranians have a very strong feeling about Baitul Muqaddas and uh, their revolution in fact, was based on the liberation of Baitul Muqaddas. But uh, uh, the support of Saudi Arabia to the Iranian brief will be uh, helpful. I do not think that uh, Iran would, uh, uh, in any circumstances and at uh, any stage of its uh, uh, relationship with the rest of the world, would uh, try to engage uh, Israel militarily. Saudis would never fight Israel because uh, Saudis uh, have come to a conclusion that the borders are, uh, their borders are safe and they would like to maintain some sort of modus vivendi, some sort of way of living together with Israel. The Israel will not uh, uh, interfere with uh, Saudi and Saudi would not uh, uh, fight with Israel, but uh, uh, Saudis would certainly help the uh, cause of peace in the region. And that cause of peace can be through Egypt, which recognizes Israel. It can be done through Jordan, which is very much dependent on Israel. It can uh, help through Lebanon, and it can uh, help through uh, uh, Western Europe. Western Europe is very important. This was known as Quartet. There were four countries which had come up with a formula. I wish uh, the Palestinians had accepted and Israelis had accepted. And I think Saudis could push this uh, sort of thing that provides for two, two separate states. And that is a major demand of the Palestinians. But that state cannot be divided by walls and cannot be divided permanently because they depend on each other. 
So Saudis can help, but Saudis and uh, uh, Iranian dialogue is very important for us. It is very important for the Muslim world. And uh, I think in this dialogue, they would try to think of the regional situation. And I think our prime minister has also gone there and pleaded for some sort of unity and amity among the Islamic world. Uh, sir, uh, thank you very much for such an insightful uh, discussion. Listeners, this was uh, former Ambassador Mushtaq Ahmed Mehr Saab, and he was talking about Palestinian thank crisis, you. and he has come up with very deep arguments. I mean, uh, uh, we will be talking about uh, some of his, his points, but listeners, as of now, it's time for a short break. After the break, we will continue our discussion. Keep listening to Radio Pakistan. نئے پاکستان کا غریب دوست پروگرام فلاحی ریاست کے قیام کی جانب ایک اور سنگ میل ملک سے غربت اور بھوک کے خاتمے اور معاشرے کے کمزور طبقات کو مضبوط اور با اختیار بنانے کے لیے حکومت کا ایک اور اہم قدم احساس کفالت کے ذریعے غریب اور ضرورت مند خواتین کو غیر مشروط رقم کی فراہمی احساس بلا سود کرزاجات کی فراہمی احساس آمدن کے ذریعے ضرورت مند خاندانوں کو پیداواری اثاثاجات مہیا کرنے کا منصوبہ احساس ایمرجنسی کیش پروگرام کے تحت مالی معاونت احساس نشونما پروگرام کے ذریعے نشونما مراکز کا قیام حاملہ خواتین اور دو سال سے کم عمر کے شیر خوار بچوں میں غذائی قلت کو دور کرنے کے لیے رقوم کی فراہمی احساس لنگر اسکیم کے تحت ملک بھر میں غریبوں اور دھیاڑی دار مزدوروں کو دو وقت کا کھانا فراہم کرنے کے لیے لنگر خانوں کا قیام احساس اسکالرشپ کے تحت غریب طلبہ کے لیے اسکالرشپ کی تقسیم احساس راشن پورٹل کے ذریعے نجی شعبے اور سماجی تنظیموں کی غریب اور ضرورت مند لوگوں تک رسائی روشن پاکستان کے خواب کی تعبیر احساس کے ساتھ وزیراعظم پاکستان کا احساس پروگرام Welcome back, listeners. You are listening to your favorite show, The Perspective, and we are talking about the latest situation in Palestine. And we talked to uh, former Ambassador Mushtaq Ahmed Mehr Saab, and he made very pertinent points. One of the points was which draw my attention, and I want your intervention on, the, on that point as well. That he was of the opinion that Israel should stop using advanced technology against the Palestinians. And the rationale was that uh, initially maybe Israel would uh, get some benefit out of uh, that usage, but in longer run there is a potential within the Muslim community that they will respond, and Israelis would not have any 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 you know response to that uh, you know challenge which which would be possibly posed by the Muslim community. Uh, thank you, um, uh, sir. I think um, uh, very insightful and uh, deep analysis by Ambassador Meher. Uh, uh, and I think uh, Pakistan's uh, very timely and substantive uh, diplomatic efforts aimed at rallying the Muslim world, uniting them, and raising the concern and shaking the conscience of the international community are uh, badly needed and very critical uh, to uh, highlight the plight of the Palestinian people and expose the uh, uh, tyranny of the Israeli uh, government and troops. 
Uh, however, uh, I, I tend to see it uh, mostly in terms of great power politics, in which um, um, unfortunate reality is that Israel enjoys exceptional uh, political and diplomatic support, military assistance um, uh, from uh, most of the Western world, but in particular the United States. Um, let me frankly say uh, that all the weapons which are being used against the civilians uh, and the people and, and, and the children and the women and they, they, the Israelis are not fighting an army, they are not fighting an air force, they are not fighting a navy, they are not fighting even a state. They are uh, actually bombing uh, the civilians. Um, and, and what sort of weapons uh, are they using? The world's most state-of-the-art weapons. Um, let me share with you, I mean, uh, F-16 is a very advanced weapon system, Pakistan Air Force also flies it, but the version that the Israelis have is the most advanced version, it's called F-16I, they also have F-15Is, which are the most advanced weapon systems uh, after the U.S. Air Force. The bombs, the, the, the precision guided munitions that they are using are worth 20 to 50 thousand dollars each, and uh, the Artillery pieces, the M109s, the M110s, which are right now being deployed uh, to uh, uh, carry out an artillery barrage inside the uh, civilians, they are all made in America. So, um, the least what the international community uh, can expect that the weapons that have been sold to uh, Israel should not be used against uh, peaceful civilians. But uh, in fact, uh, there was a slight uh, departure from earlier indifference uh, by the U.S. Uh, Secretary of State, uh, Tony Blinken, when he mentioned uh, that uh, the right of self-defense is also with the Palestinians also have a right to secure themselves. Uh, this was a slight improvement over uh, the earlier very imbalanced stance that the U.S. State Department had taken uh, because obviously U.S. is also conscious of its support within the Muslim world from the Arab world because the street sentiment also uh, is considered. It's not just uh, what the governments are saying. Uh, and and uh, so uh, in terms of technology, uh, it is a reality that the Israelis have the latest weapons and, and they, they, they have not been restrained by any international institutions, any major powers, any uh, law to uh, which could discourage them or dissuade them from uh, use of force uh, in a non-discriminatory manner uh, against the civilians. And let me uh, just relate it uh, with the lack of uh, commitment by Israel towards any international arms control uh, and a treaty and arrangement as well, because that is my subject. If you look at any of the WMD uh, proliferation issues, whether it is chemical weapons, whether it is biological weapons, whether it is nuclear weapons, the three core treaties are non-proliferation treaty, uh, the biological and weapon to toxin convention and the chemical weapons convention. And Israel is the only state in this region, in the Middle East, which has not signed either of the three treaties. What yeah. does this mean? That means it, it reserves the right not just to use conventional weapon, but also strategic nuclear, chemical and biological weapons under no restraint and no uh, obligation is upon it and it means that you do not subscribe to international laws and international norms. And, and there is no pressure on Israel as well to uh, consider this. 
you know if i relate it to somewhat to the situation that pakistan has faced and you know we have a very modest and small nuclear program which is primarily aimed at uh, national security and defending ourselves against external aggression uh, and we have a doctrine of credible minimum deterrence that only aims at uh, defending our country uh, against uh, external aggression we have no extra regional ambitions but we have faced so much sanctions and embargoes and international pressure that we should be restrained regarding the ranges regarding the yield we should be giving the commitment we should consider fmct we should consider ctbt there was so exceptional pressure on pakistan uh, to restrain its uh, nuclear build up in case of israel there is a complete uh, clean chit that there is no expectation there is no debate in fact in the international academic think tank policy circles that israel should be asked to sign chemical biological or nuclear convention that well the connected question is maybe it is uh, it is maybe is slightly irrelevant to the topic but uh, now the the treatment of united states of america Uh, towards uh, india the way now they are treating uh, american excessive support to india for nuclear supplier group and things like that it also reflects their double standards which we are talking about absolutely and and unfortunately uh, offensive realism uh, uh, perhaps uh, is a useful framework to explain this because whenever there is a country which becomes strategically relevant for the geopolitical interests in a particular region for a great power uh, the moral legal humanitarian considerations unfortunately take a back seat and and these countries are built up uh, with uh, excessive access to uh, you know modern and cutting edge technology armed with latest weapons and and any commitment uh, regarding strategic restraint or commitment towards disarmament or arms control are obviated and and uh, and, and this seems to be the trend well uh, shahab it, it leads to a paradoxical situation i would say there is a vulnerability in vulnerability paradox and, and there is a security insecurity paradox because this arms race is never ending at the end of the day so what is the solution and what is the end game then well uh, it's a profound question uh, abdul sahab but i think uh, unfortunately the uh, ironic lesson of history is power recognizes power and and weakness only invites aggression and and let me add uh, exploitation or coercion in modern hybrid warfare context so uh, the less dependent you are on others perhaps um, you, you the more independent your policies are the better you are at defending your sovereignty and it's not just territorial sovereignty whether it's legal sovereignty or political sovereignty or even ideological sovereignty through that and sovereignty to fra- uh, formulate your foreign policy absolutely well uh, listeners it's very interesting discussion discussion yet again with chasa but now it's time to move to the second topic of today's discussion which is equally important it's about the regional situation we are talking about afghanistan peace process the peace process in afghanistan and possible impacts after withdrawal of us forces peace and stability in afghanistan is in the interest of pakistan we talk about pakistan all the day but i believe that peace in afghanistan is in the interest of entire region and pakistan is actually fighting the regional war before talking about this uh, you know second topic but it's time to move uh, to a short break listeners after the break we will start the second topic uh, after the break intikhabi amal mein shaffafiyat 
حکومت کی اولین ترجیح شفاف انتخابات پائیدار جمہوریت کے تسلسل کی زمانت حکومت انتخابات میں الیکٹرانک ووٹنگ اور بائیو میٹرک کا نظام متعارف کروانے کے لیے پرعزم ملک کی تاریخ میں پہلی بار بیرون ملک پاکستانیوں کے لیے ای ووٹنگ کے ذریعے اپنا حق کے رائے دہی استعمال کرنے کا موقع انتخابات میں شفافیت پاکستان تحریک انصاف کی حکومت کا ویژن Welcome back listeners, you are listening to your favorite show, The Perspective, and we are talking about the second topic of today's conversation, which is Afghanistan peace process. And Shah Saab, we believe that Pakistan has made all-out effort for peace and stability in Afghanistan because Pakistan is maybe uh, the country which has suffered the most after Afghanistan because of this uh, crisis and fiasco in Afghanistan. So Pakistan is all for peace, and we believe that Afghan-led and Afghan-owned peace process should be there, whereby all the stakeholders should be taken on board because as uh, we have opened the discussion, uh, peace in Afghanistan is in the interest of everyone in the region. Absolutely. Um, I, I think uh, no country, uh, Pakistan is exceptional in three ways regarding the Afghan issue. No country has suffered more than Pakistan uh, out of the, as a direct consequence of the Afghan conflict, number one. Number two, no country has uh, made greater and more consistent efforts at supporting and steering and maintaining the peace process. And number three, also like we discussed yesterday, uh, whenever the Afghan nation faced a conflict, uh, no country has helped the Afghan nation with open arms by welcoming them more than the Pakistani nation. And maybe I have to connect another argument with that, that maybe Pakistan is the country which has suffered more criticism in international politics from the international community despite all these efforts. Absolutely. I think very well put. I, I, I really uh, admire the way you have framed it because these three exceptional contributions by Pakistan towards uh, finding a diplomatic solution towards accommodating the affected people of Afghanistan uh, with, and, and giving them space within our own territory to uh, secure themselves and save themselves from war and also um, in terms of uh, uh, trying to uh, help the people. Despite that, Pakistan is also the worst victim of international criticism. So this is very unfortunate, and, and that perhaps explains the role of spoilers. And traditionally, the role of spoilers has been seen only in the context of uh, uh, those uh, proxies of some regional countries who attempt to harm the peace process. But these people are, or these spoilers have tried to uh, bring a bad name to Pakistan diplomatically by using um, fake news and also... Uh, you are familiar with the disinfo lab disclosures uh, that uh, the focus has been on promoting fake news and allegations towards Pakistan uh, and internationally presenting it as an epicenter of terrorism uh, despite the fact that we suffered the most and we also won uh, perhaps the only decisive victory against the menace of terrorism uh, in the 21st century unlike anyone else look at the situation in Iraq Look at the situation in Afghanistan. 
look at the situation and in Yemen of almost 50 countries and 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 you have a coalition a worldwide coalition led by a superpower and here is a developing country of Pakistan which has won the most decisive victory against number of uh, terrorist outfits which were internationally and regionally supported so in that context you should see what has happened um, um, uh, Please, since Shana, yesterday allow me to ask another question because it yeah. is it, it is a connected question yeah. and maybe I can ask this question to you sure that uh, you talked about the spoilers in the region and possibly you were trying to draw uh, an inference towards uh, the neighboring country but the question is that now we see that United States of America is withdrawing from Afghanistan to uh, in, in the in the calculation of a lot of scholars it is a miscalculated withdrawal it is an untimely withdrawal. So do you see United States of America as a spoiler for that matter or uh, an agent of peace in Afghanistan? I think it's a very interesting question. Uh, and uh, I will say that uh, how this withdrawal happens and why it happens obviously deserves deeper reflection. And, and there are three uh, ways in which we can uh, try to answer that. Firstly, uh, let me uh, share with you uh, before this formal announcement uh, by the U.S. President about uh, the U.S. military withdrawal, uh, two countries, uh, Turkey and Germany, their military uh, services and department formally informed their respective uh, legislatures in December last year about the possible extension of their stay. In fact, if you follow the debate on uh, the Afghan war uh, in different countries, particularly Germany, uh, also to some extent in UK, uh, and also particularly Turkey, there was a deep concern that uh, a hurried withdrawal uh, would create a void uh, for uh, further instability. The and Prime Minister of Pakistan also show, showed some Yes, and, and, and even the British uh, were saying that. So there is, a, and that's why the Pakistan's recent stance and the emphasis on a responsible withdrawal in a manner which is based on a well-planned departure, which has to be coordinated because, you know, uh, the Afghan Taliban have been maintaining a formal diplomatic office in Doha, Doha for a number of years. So they are engaging with the U.S. diplomatically for so many years. So it's not that uh, they are dealing with the Russians, they are dealing with the Chinese, they are dealing with Pakistanis, they are dealing with uh, Turkish, they are dealing with Iranians, they are dealing with everybody. Uh, so basically, uh, I think the Americans, when uh, they are negotiating with the Afghan Taliban, uh, they should also consider uh, going beyond this uh, announcement of uh, dip uh, withdrawal, but also coordinate it with the local stakeholders in a manner that there is no confusion and there is also uh, a reduced risk of violence. Well, Shasab, since we are talking about withdrawal, I mean, uh, Americans has announced to withdraw on 11th of September. Uh, by, by 11th of September. So the question is that uh, is there any miscalculation again on the date of withdrawal? Because to my understanding, and, and maybe it is beyond my comprehension, that why American administration went for 11th of September uh, for that matter. So the question is that will not this strengthen the, the narrative building of uh, Taliban that they have actually pushed the Americans on the same date out of Afghanistan, the day they intervened in, in Afghanistan? 
Uh, absolutely. I think there is a symbolism in this date uh, for three reasons. Uh, number one, the war that um, the U.S. formally started af began after on the same date 20 years ago. So, uh, and, and the Doha Agreement was signed in February last year. And they had uh, committed after mutual uh, negotiations uh, the final withdrawal date of 1st May. So what uh, Mr. Biden, after due consideration and consultation with, uh, with, with uh, different uh, with, uh, stakeholders within the U.S., whether it's the intelligence community, whether it's the State Department, whether it's the Pentagon. And let me tell you, uh, the, the U.S. military was against this hurried withdrawal. withdrawal yes. But there is also a personal angle to it, which is very interesting. I was reading in a, re uh, in a recent book, uh, and I don't know how many of our listeners know, that uh, President Biden's son was himself deployed in Iraq during the Iraq war. And at one point in time, he had a heated discussion as a, a former vice president of uh, the United States with the then President Obama, that I don't want to uh, put my son in the harm's way just for some abstract uh, democratic values or getting freedom of the woman. We need tangible objectives uh, because he was very con uh, conscious of the risk that putting American lives in danger, uh, w whether that was worth it or not. And that consideration that the, it is an unending war, uh, which is putting American lives in danger needed uh, overarching reconsideration beyond any tactical or operational uh, needs of the U.S. military. Now coming back to the uh, a more specific reason, I think um, uh, this withdrawal is significant and it has already begun. Almost uh, 20 flights are taking off from uh, different bases of Afghanistan every day. Uh, the different bases are uh, from uh, in Helmand and other pro Ningarhar and other provinces are being um, uh, handed over to the Afghan National Army every day and they are being surrounded by Afghan Taliban. They are uh, adhering to the uh, commitment that they will not attack sir, the sir, Western forces but they are attacking the Kabul administration. One last question. Whatever the reasons are, whatever the circumstances are, but uh, but uh, Afghan people and the country needs peace and stability now. One last comment. Absolutely. I think uh, uh, perhaps one hopes that the Afghan nation and all the stakeholders have learned from history uh, because they are the ones who have suffered the most and they deserve to recover from uh, their experience of war. But the most important requirement is that the international community has committed a lot of hard power in Afghanistan. They have not made any tangible, lasting commitment in terms of economic, uh, uh, socio-economic development of Afghanistan. That is very important because the war economy needs to be replaced with an economy which is like any other normal country, built on the solid foundations which provides hope, sustenance, and a quality of life to the Afghan people, which allows the, peop the, uh, the uh, you know, the refugees to return home and lead a respectable, peaceful, normal life. Through that, Shasa, very rightly put, listeners, this was all about today's perspective. In perspective, we talked about two significant developments of the day. First was about tragic events taking place in Palestine and the response of Pakistan and possible response of the regional and extra-regional countries. Then we talked about Afghanistan peace process listeners. For today's perspective, studio engineer was Adil Iftakhar, producer was Basim Ahmed, and executive producer was Muhammad Tariq Chaudhary. Allow your host Amjad Abdullah to sign off from the studio. In a short while, you will be listening to 7 p.m. news. Allah Hafiz.